0: Stand clear. 100% Wild Podcast. So, for all you listeners,
1: hello and welcome
0: to Definitely not not your favorite outdoor
2: podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, powered by Deercast. And you are sitting through the Long Beard Legends series. And, uh, we're not legendary, Matt. No, but Matt we Drury. got people that are. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I'm Matt Drury. You're Tim Chelswick.
2: In studio, again, we've got Mr. Ray I. I can't stay away. No, What's, what's up, Ray what? Ray?
0: Hey. Well, this is, what week is this week? How many weeks in are we now?
2: So, I, I got to pause this here. Ray, I love you. Let me flip your... Your ear, I've ear d- muffler, I've done that before, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's all right. Now we're now we're broadcast professional. <laughs> okay.
0: So how many weeks in are we on the series? Count <laughs> this, Ray's race first. Episode. This
2: is the third out of all of them. Okay. So but three this out is of a, six. Yeah. So and this will be we're going to be talking about phase two of the turkey season. If you guys tuned in last week, we talked about phase one, early season, and youth season. Now we're we're going to be jumping in to talk about phase two. We've also got another legendary long beard legend. <laughs> Mr. Ron Jolly. Ron is the co-chairman of the board for Turkeys for Tomorrow, and he is joining us live via Zoom. Ron, how are you? Great to be here, guys. Hey, we appreciate you joining us. I look forward to chatting
0: with you a little bit and dive into turkeys for tomorrow a little bit more and all the great things you guys are doing there. I know Mark, uh, Mark's helping out a little bit in his area, and that that's it's really cool because you guys are kind of taking a grassroots approach and going into different areas of the country and really trying to help out the wild turkey. So we look forward to jumping into that. But first, we thought we'd give Ray a chance to talk about a certain season a certain phase of the turkey season Mm -hmm. and then when we want to get your thoughts on how you could go about killing a turkey during this phase and
2: and this and this phase breakdown is brought to you this week by the dod signature series of turkey calls from hs Strutt, designed by six-time world champ mark drury and approved by the dod team the new tongue series of mouth calls are designed with cutting edge technology
0: all right, Ray, we're in phase two, hen competition. Now, what's that mean mm-hmm. for us? People don't like this one. This is tough one. I don't think you keep one. saying that. I, know. I that about the
1: last one. <laughs> competition with the hens. This, is, this phase is when the gobblers are gathering the hens, and hens are everywhere, and the old gobbler gobbles, and the hens run and fly to the gobbler, and mm. their woods is full of hens yelping and cutting and carrying on, and makes it very difficult for you to, to get in and get a lone gobbler, because they're all busy trying to get the hens yeah. and work with the hens. So it's a tough phase so so
0: ron what would you say to this phase how do you go about trying to kill a turkey and be successful when you get all this hen competition
3: well if you notice most of the time there's one really loud mouthed hen. she's kind of in charge so a lot of times if you can mimic her and get back in her face she'll she'll get ticked off and maybe drag the whole bunch that's one way the other way and and this is the hardest thing for most turkey hunters to do nowadays is just be patient. Hmm. And, you know, if you're in, if if you're in close enough to hear all that and see all that, you can kind of get a direction in which way the flock's drifting, maybe make a big end run and get around in front of them. And other than that, it's just luck of the draw after those two things for them. Yeah. So are
2: there
0: any, you know, kind of tricks that you have in your turkey vest during this phase where you're like all right this is my go-to or this is my go-to call or go-to sound or a decoy or you know is there something that's a uh, you know
3: that that's a must-have during this period um, for me it's a mouth call or, or a good uh pot call because if i can get her cutting at me back and forth you can usually get her to drift your way it's kind of hmm. like neighbors arguing over the fence hmm. and you insult that one enough sometimes they cross that fence and hmm. then <laughs> you just hope the gobbler drags along which he's gonna do he's not gonna let that flock get out of his sight so is it as
0: much about pecking order as, as many things with turkey is yeah. is your your uh, you
1: know, you're working towards that pecking order and challenging that pecking order yeah, with the hen. You're challenging the hen. That's what exactly what he's talking about. There's another tactic that I that I use quite a bit, I have for years, is uh, is to scatter them like you do in the fall, get the gobbler separated from the hens. I've done that many times. Uh, sometimes it works, like all turkey hunting, and sometimes it don't. But most of the time it, it has worked. If you get them separated and get between the hens and him when and he comes running back to get with them, especially works good in open country where you can see what's going on. But uh, if you can roost them and follow him in the evening and get the whole bunch up in the roost and then flush them out of the roost and get him separated, or you can set in tight, be the first first turkey in the morning on him tight when he's with the hens. And uh, I've done that many times with with our hunters and got him in really tight on the turkey like that. Hmm. So when he flies down, he's already in gun range.
2: What What about the the time? Just the way the morning kind of plays out. Is there like, is there a time maybe later in the morning or as you pro- like in Missouri, you have to yeah. stop hunting at one yeah. o'clock, hang out.
1: Yeah, as the morning progresses, if he's running around with hens and following hens, and the hens are together and they start going off and going to the nest, you know, because all the, all these phases, you know, overlap and they're not all at the same time. Now mm-hmm. uh, he gets lesser hens later on in the morning. You can come back to a place and, and and call like Ron was talking about, and even challenge that remaining hen or or get him to respond and and come to you because he's got less hens. It, it all varies. Nothing's nothing's definite in turkey hunting sure. turkey calling. Right, Ron
3: yeah i would add though later in the spring those hens have egg laying duties and you can watch a flock she'll she'll absolutely wait till he's not paying any attention and she'll bolt she's gone yeah. she doesn't want him to know where she went She's still with him for that day she don't want to be pestered and later in the season the more of those hens disperse to the nesting duties so midday he finds himself alone he's very vulnerable then
2: I can tell you how many girlfriends I've had that have done the same thing to me. <laughs> Turn your head and then they're gone. All, all. And, and especially when they drive to the if you dance. you get to
3: Ray's age, you not buy <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice.
3: well, it.
0: Nice. Ray, is there anything else to add for this kind of little part of the season or this phase of the season?
1: Oh, you just got to, like Ron said, you got to have patience, You work hard and spend your time out there. Don't ever give up. and And, you know, too many hunters give up too soon, they get out and they hunt a little bit and they're not hearing mm. anything or they're not paying any attention to them. Uh, i can tell you a real quick story that I learned many years ago, we've talked a lot in this whole series about uh, the pecking order. I had a gobbler with hens in the Ozarks in a field, one of the few fields in this one area and uh, he was out there with the girls and I tried calling the hens and she'd answer and all that and I tried to talk over and but they wouldn't leave, they wouldn't leave and a couple jakes come down off the ridge and came down by the lower part of the field and started yelping. And he raised up, dropped out a strut, and ran down the end of the field and whipped one of them yeah. and then run them both off and then came back out strutting. I looked at that, and I got circle, got in the creek, went around. I come down the side of that hill, and I did that jake yelping on a box call. He folded and ran. And I shot him in the face about 10 feet. <laughs> but I couldn't kill him all morning trying to yeah. call the hens. So, you know, you got to vary and try different, different techniques. Different tactics. That makes sense.
2: Got right. it. Well, you know, one of the things that is on the minds of a lot of people are what's happening to the turkey populations. I know that was kind of the genesis mm-hmm. of turkeys for tomorrow. So, so maybe Ron, t- give us a, a little introduction. People are, are unfamiliar with the organization, how it started, what its mission is set out to do.
3: Well, turkeys for tomorrow was two years old, the 22nd day of February. So it started when a group of guys, it, I spent a lot of my career at Primo's and doing old truth videos and, and 2020 I was inducted into the in Hall of Fame, which congratulations to Ray. He went in last year. Thank you. And, you know, a bunch of us got together and we got to talking about, what about the turkeys where you hunt? And and, and to a man, everybody said, it's, it's, it's really changed. Mm-hmm. So we all put up, 12 people put up $300 a piece and we just started trying to, generate some interest in drawing attention to this problem. It was clear as my hand in front of my face, but it was not widely accepted. It was not widely talked about then. Um, we pushed on it and pushed on it to where we are today. We have we have projects in we're doing research in, in Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, soon to be Kansas and Iowa. So, you know, our goal, our original goal was to do, have five projects in five states in five years. Mm-hmm. So you total all that up, we've got seven projects in four states at two years. So, you know, the the Alabama project is, is multifaceted. It's, it's studying uh, fertility of, of gobblers, uh, disease study, feral hog impact. And a, and a gobble chronology study, all wrapped into one that's being done by TFT sponsoring these things on private land in conjunction with Dr. Will Goosby and Auburn University. Mm-hmm. The Hunting Public has partnered with the University of Georgia and Dr. Chamberlain, and they're doing the same stuff on public land. The The, the, the real neat thing about that, most turkey research, especially in Alabama, has been done on public land, and we think there's a different story to be told on private land. So that's one of the things that we're pretty proud of. We're we're now in the process of starting chapters. We're we're going to launch 15 chapters this year. That's all we want to do. Want to make sure we can first of all afford it, and <laughs> and secondly manage them properly so they are what they're intended to do. Um, those chapters are going to be in. Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas, possibly Ohio, but Florida, Florida, Louisiana, uh, and Alabama. And that, that's not probably not all of them. But we're trying to. Our job and our mission is to try to figure out and reverse the decline of wild turkeys. That's our, that's our mission.
2: Yeah.
3: And our job is to raise funds. So the people who are are educated and know how to do this can find these issues. Our job is to fund them, not to tell them what to do or Mm -hmm. how to do it or where to do it. It's just when they decide it needs to be done here, our job is to find the money so they can do it. And it's very expensive.
2: So who can join these local chapters that you're starting?
3: Anybody can join tft you don't have to join it at the chapter level you can go to the for and there's a member page or join us button and there's the, the different levels of, of membership are there um when you come to these banquets uh the price of the ticket includes a membership so we our goal at the end of the first we just started membership accepted members on march first of last year so we're just a year at that and our goal was a thousand members at the end of the year, and we're approaching two thousand wow, right good now. So it's it really it's taken off. It's getting the right traction now with 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 heavy hitter sponsors like Onyx and Apex and RealTree and True Timber, Wise I Tech, A bunch of people are lined up, and, and that's a, that's another neat story. Everybody just. If you listen, everybody's talking about this now. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that's that everybody's imagination. Everybody's talking about it, and people are are stepping up in different ways to try to help. So, Wise Eye Tech, they're a trail camera company. Mm-hmm. They sent us 40 of their top cameras, and we gave we gave 10 of them to the University of Florida, no, University of Georgia, Auburn University, Mississippi State, and the Tennessee the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Well, they're in, in the process of trapping these turkeys now, so they don't have to go to their bait sites to, to see when the birds are there. They got, they got these cameras there, and they're texting them these photos with the time and everything, and that's really streamlined those grad students' efforts in the field. They, they, they pattern them, and, and they don't have to disturb the birds to do it. So that's just one thing. It's, it's so many guys. We don't, you don't have time to hear all that. It's just, it's just a blessing that everybody cares and everybody's stepping up to work toward a goal here. Yeah.
0: And we should mention you guys are a nonprofit, so all, you know all the funds that are being raised, you know that's it's going to the cause, right? You know, it's it's it's, it's not like I'm sure there's overhead, but
3: it's all going to the turkey. Well, overhead it takes overhead to, to do these things, I and mean, yeah, we we finally hired a couple of people. We can't do this without it. Uh-huh. Um yep. <laughs> they're very basic low salaries and there will be more as this thing grows. I mean, I do this, my phone starts at six thirty in the morning and, and it was at ten o'clock last night, it was the same thing. What can I do? How can I help? Mm-hmm. How can I do this or do you need this? All this stuff and I'm I'm didn't know I was gonna be a secretary at this age <laughs> of my life. It's interesting. You
0: mentioned this started. What was it? February of 2020?
3: Is that what you said? That was the first conversation. We incorporated it in on February 22nd of 21. Uh, my point was going to be
0: like it's it's funny because that conversation started then, but then you know, COVID hit. We hit we hit record for the time. It seemed like record amount of people hitting the spring turkey woods, which I'm sure in the long run, didn't necessarily help the overall cause for turkeys for tomorrow. We always say we want more hunters, but mm-hmm. if the population's in decline, you know, and then you have an influx of, of hunters hitting the woods, I'm sure the, and and I, I've read these stats for Missouri and I, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but I know we had an increased amount of, you know, turkey turkeys that were tagged that year. Yep. So, you know, it's it just, it's a interesting, I guess, two sides of the story there where it was a, you know, it's a. I guess a great year to get hunters in the woods because of what was happening globally, but it may have been not a great year for the turkeys and here you guys come in and you kind of take the torch and start leading from the front where it's like, Hey, we need to really make sure we, we, you know, we help the wild turkey out and figure out how we can increase the population again. And it just, it's a story that needs to be told and you guys are doing great things with it. Um, but but ultimately, I just find it interesting, the timing of it, when, you know, we had an influx of hunters that same year.
2: Yeah, kind of a imperfect storm. Yeah. yeah. Just made that term up. Um, <laughs> Ron, I, I thought hunters were supposed to be cold-blooded killers. And here we are. <laughs> Like caring about the population dynamics and habitat. And so it's just great to see. uh, We don't need to be convinced of that. We're kind of preaching to the choir. Everyone who's watching or listening to the show knows how deeply hunters care for the resource, the land, uh, just everything that goes into that. But it's nice to see just another example of an organization with a laser focus on helping turkey populations.
3: Well, let me let me say this. You're, you're exactly right, Tim. Um, if hunters don't fix this, who's going to? Right. Who's going to do it? Hunters are responsible for bringing them back from that dark place. When I was a kid, when there was a, a six-day season in my part of Louisiana, and if you heard a turkey, if you were lucky enough to hear one during that season, it was a success. Mm. Now, we're nowhere near that, mm. but how long ago were we – in this same position with bob white quail and where are they now so somebody had to start and it wasn't something that that i imagined me doing in my retirement years but somebody had to do it and this group of guys passionate enough to give me their support and their energy and we've got it rolling so one thing that we quickly realized on on our farm here in alabama is we have a small 210 acre farm but my wife makes her living here photographing turkeys and deer. So we manicured as best we can. Our winter flock went from 60 birds five years ago till back this year, we got about 30, had about 38. But there's four or five years ago, our winter flock was down to 12 birds. Wow. And they just weren't. And so it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure when you find a turkey nest or you find five turkey nests on 200, 10 acres and every one has been raided by a nest predator probably need to be trapping. Yeah. So we started and we've been trapping raccoons and skunks and possums using these dog proof traps. And, and now we've got turkeys back. Now is that the sole reason? I don't know, but I think it, it just makes sense to me that if, if they, that egg hatches, you got a chance to have a turkey in the fall there. Mm-hmm. So, we we partnered with a company in Iowa called No BS Traps. And we just said, Let, let's see if if landowners care. So we bought 100 dozen traps from him, and we're selling them $135 a dozen to your door. Those first 100 dozen lasted 31 days. Wow. They mm-hmm. were gone. So we went back to him and ordered 250 dozen. And they come from overseas, as everybody knows. There's are assembled there in Iowa. When those 250 dozen got here, it was like the 30th of January mm-hmm. when we got them. And Chase told me, Chase Grubbs told me this morning, we're to less than 50 dozen wow. of those. So we've put 4,000 traps on the ground all across the country. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to be proactive and tell people what they can do on their own dirt to help turkeys.
0: Do you think that there is a an onus that the conservation departments state to state need to take in you know in in maybe putting out more of a bounty on, pred- on you know on these on these nest pred- predators because it's like is it south dakota that they have a bounty on them and they've you know they've done a really good job of, of trapping so many more i mean we all know that the pelt prices have gone down like that's the reason why trapping kind of really took a back seat for so long but is, is there something that the conservation departments maybe need to be doing to, to help step up as well not just landowners but on a much
3: bigger scale I think you'll see in states like Tennessee and I know Alabama, um, several states. They've, and Iowa has, Iowa has just done this. The season closes, the trapping season closes before, East, and, and like say, if it closes in the end of January. You need to be trapping in Iowa, you need to be trapping in, in March and April because you're not gonna wipe these predators out. We couldn't wipe them out when they were $35 a pelt and everybody in the world was trying to, to take on that, that cash value and, and take advantage of that. So a bunch of landowners putting out traps at a proper time in the spring, ahead of when these turkeys start laying and, and incubating eggs, that, that's, some states have already addressed that and we need to be proactive with, with these agencies and convince others to do it but hmm. and if you do that i think that i think the common turkey hunter who knows like we figured out on our property and uh, a lot of other people have i think they'll do it without having to put that bounty on them. uh there are these competitions springing up all over the country now they call them raccoon roundups or predator roundups hmm. and they they're, they're popping up everywhere we we sponsored one in missouri and they in one weekend they caught 960 cones. wow in one county and probably didn't put a dent in it yeah. and so so your focus
0: is as much about you mentioned it earlier the landowner the the guys that you feel like are i i think about in in my small world of you know a mark and a terry where you were talking about how you guys were trapping on your piece i know when Terry started trapping on his farm that his turkey population started to make a hell
3: of a comeback because it was getting pretty sad there for a while we're, we're doing other things in research though guys we're offering native oaks and um mulberries na- native trees to for hunters can buy and plant on their property um we we started habitat days we did the first one in Alabama, the 17th of February, and through the Cooperative Extension Service, that's a program that we can duplicate in every county in Alabama. Hmm. All we do is just get a professor or a state biologist or an expert to come in and talk to these landowners who are concerned about what's happening to their turkeys. So that's something that's going on. We have a, a field day plan, a field weekend plan with Dr. Grant Woods, I think that's in June where we're just going to get people in and show them what brood habitat looks like. Hmm. A lot of people don't understand what brood habitat is. Hmm. What, what looks good to me, although a baby turkey can't get through it. Hmm. And I would recommend everybody that's listening, if you really want to know the skinny of what's going on with turkeys, listen to the Wild Turkey Science Podcast that Dr. Goolsbee and Dr. Laster from the University of Florida are doing. They're, they're breaking down research has already been done and taking on the tough issues and, and and dumbing it down so people like me if you ever sat down have you ever sat down and try to read one of these research papers yeah. <laughs> they're breaking it down to where common folks can can understand it and they're not pulling their punches mm-hmm. they're 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 talking about the controversial things that a lot of people have just sidestepped around
2: like what um, ron
3: well, for instance, how um, trapping has, has been a big part of. It. They're only in, like in their eighth or ninth release of these podcasts, and and like, they they've already got fifty thousand downloads. Oh. so people are just burning it up, but baiting the effects of bait uh, aflatoxins in corn that that we put out in all these states where it's legal. And if they stay there on the ground in this humidity, there's yeah. a mold that develops on called Aflatoxins is fatal to young turkeys. Mm. Uh, there's so many things. There's predators. There's disease. And and all this stuff has been researched in the past. Turkey research is not new. There's tons and tons of it that's never been implemented. The findings have not been implemented. And research is nothing but research and scratch it on paper unless it's something that you can implement yeah so that's what we focus we try to find things that so if they find that that the answer is is aflatoxins that educate people don't do it mm-hmm. it's, it's as simple as don't do it if it's predators get you some traps trap things like that improve your own habitat learn what brood habitat looks like don't You know, it looks kind of messy when you go in and you leave the natural seed bank around the edge of your big food plots. But that's that's brood habitat. Mm. So there's all kinds of things we can do. It's just a question of us getting big enough and enough followers to to where you're not preaching to our own little choir here. And that's starting to happen. For instance, being on this show, this is a huge huge beacon that uh, we can put this message out on
2: ron i uh i know we had dr grant woods on oh, about a year and a half or so ago now it seems like talking about neonics and neonicotinoids in um in agricultural seed and i wonder if that's something that uh, has been brought up in your in your discussions about challenges to turkey populations
3: well it has and i'll tell you what we're doing uh, the 2022 turkey season was uh, was that spring was the launch of these projects in Alabama, so Dr. Goosby formed team leaders all across the state. So if you harvested a gobbler, you had to take a you could do it online, or you had a, a hard copy survey you could fill out, and it asked all the basic questions: Was the gobbler alone? Was he gobbling? Did he have hands? Was he with another gobbler? Just a bunch of, had, you know anecdotal information, what kind of habitat was he in, all this. But they, the, the man who killed that bird could take the thighs, the feet, the breast meat, the beard, and take that carcass to one of these team leaders, and they they freeze them, and then Auburn students go pick them up at a certain time. We collected 420 wow, last wow. year. So after the season, they take them, and, and they do the necropsies on them, they remove the spleen, the liver, the testicles, bone bone samples, the crop content, and a blood sample. Well, all those things are for, for disease testing, mm-hmm. for uh, toxins, such as neodex, what you're talking about, Tim. Um, they relate what's in their crop to the habitat they're in, what they're eating. Uh, they sent this uh, a subset to... Uh, Michigan State in the bone marrow to, to check for um, toxins that it may be you know where there's this whatever the toxin is a lot of it evidently it shows up in bone marrow so we got 420 birds from and that represented almost 70 percent of the state of Alabama now we're going to expand on that and try to get somebody so we can collect birds all across the state and the good news is, to me, there was some disease. There was a small bit of disease that was detected. And I've not seen, they're not through with all the stuff they're doing mm-hmm. on those that first set uh, of examples. But the good news is, it's not disease. Because what do you do if it's disease? If it's something we're doing, putting out, you know, seed, coated seeds or something like that, I don't know how you change that. Farmers are not gonna change their practice. That's that's their living. Yeah. It's the same with timber companies. These big, giant uh, timber companies who won't allow you to burn or manage for manage that for turkeys. Uh, then there's the other ones who decide to burn in like in your national forests and stuff, and they may burn 10,000 acres in a day during April, during nesting season. Mm. Oh. How do you change that? That's that's their practice. Mm -hmm. I can answer it for you. The only way you're going to change that is figure out a way for him to make up the money that he's going to lose by not doing it. Yeah, Which is a tall task. (laughs)
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh, What what, what has your reception been like at the state level with departments of natural resources or departments of conservation? Is there any kind of interplay happening there?
3: Yes, sir. Big time. They're, they've opened their arms wide open to us. Good. They need funding as well. Um, Now the state of Alabama has not, we've, they've cooperated on a small scale, but they had just finished a a three, a huge project when we started. So what we did, we went in and, and talked to them and they wanted to do some of the very things that we're doing right now. But they just didn't want to do it with us. They didn't want to do it with anybody. They wanted to do it on their own. They wanted to call their own shots. So we partnered with the Alabama Wildlife Federation and just took on those things: disease, pulp recruitment, gobble chronology, all those things. So that that information will be public knowledge when it's when it's all said and done. Mm, okay. But like Mississippi, arms wide over Kentucky, Tennessee, all these other states. Are, are just very welcoming and warm and, and great to work with
0: it seems like the southern like the southeast has kind of led the charge and in, in, in some of this you know when you when you look at like auburn and and a lot of the research that happens it seems like it's from down south mm-hmm. is there a reason for that or is there is it what is it, you know, I know they're crazy about their turkey down there. <laughs> Y'all love turkey hunting, but is, is that the driving force? Or what is it about that area that kind of helps lead from, you know, lead from the front?
3: Well, I, 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 I don't have a good answer for that other than if you look back in history, Alabama's kind of like the cradle of modern turkey hunting. you're you agree, Ray? I'm, yes.
1: Uh, yeah. You
3: know, the Ben Lees and mm-hmm. Tom. Kellys and all those guys, all the, the folklore that spins around those guys. But everybody here in the South is is terribly passionate about the birds and protecting them. We don't want to go back toward. I mean, I, I in the, in my career when I worked for the conservation department, I videoed the last trap and release birds that the state of Alabama did, and they caught we caught fourteen hens. And the next day we caught seven gobblers, and we put them in the last place, which is in northwest Alabama, that, that we thought needed a boost of birds. Now, as far as I know, they haven't done it since then, and that was probably in 2012, something like that. Mm-hmm. 2012, 10, somewhere along there. So, um, do we need to get back to that? I don't know. That's not that's that's not my forte. That's for somebody a lot smarter than me to figure out. But if they do it, I'll support it yep. and TFT will support it. Uh,
2: just, just that I, I appreciate that open-mindedness. Like let's follow where the data is leading. We're not starting with a preconceived notion or a conclusion of what needs to be done. You guys are doing the research or you're funding the research, I should say, and then working off the, the data that comes from that. That's, that, that's a refreshing uh,
3: process. It's, you think about it these projects are four or five year projects you know we don't we're only in going into the second year of the oldest project we have but take for example the state of tennessee dr craig harper was winding down a five-year study in tennessee and everybody's heard about shooting the dominant bird are we doing that too early in the season So Dr. Harper was working in five counties in Tennessee. Well, in the fourth and fifth year of that study, he got the the TWRA to move the seasons two weeks back, Mm -hmm. in other words, open them two weeks later in those five counties. So at the end of those two years, the TWRA was short on funding to extend it. Mm -hmm. So TFT stepped up and, and extended that for another year because the data set, didn't show it showed no difference in changing that season back so Mm -hmm. was it just not a long enough period of time so that's what we're going to find out what they did discover at the end of that that the number one reason for nests or or the number one hindrance to poult recruitment by far was mammalian predators Mm -hmm. yeah so it made us look pretty smart because we'd already implemented our little trap <laughs> program. Now we got somebody to, you know, to to point to, and he'll readily tell you that, that that paper will be published out of that study that points to the main predators. And the second thing in it is the loss of habitat, mm, loss yeah. of bird habitat. It
0: makes sense. It's not rocket science, and, so, you know, there's smart men researching it, but... You know, that's, it just doesn't seem like, it seems like the obvious, it's pointing to the obvious answers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's loss of habitat everywhere. You know, the, 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 little subdivisions popping up in every old field you ever you know, used to hunt in. Filled with people who are mammals. And, and non hunters, <laughs> you know, so they don't care about mm-hmm. the habitat loss, you yeah. know, so it's a, it's a deep, it's a deep issue and we're fortunate to have guys like you and Turkeys for Tomorrow and that and, and WTF and you know really helping to lead that charge. Um, and I think we should have you back on to do a whole another round of, of podcast yeah, yeah. about it because I mean you could th- this could be a whole series in and of itself, frankly. Yeah. So yep, that's right. What Tim? Well, let's roll into the next part of uh, of the podcast here and, and try to help a guy out.
2: Yeah, our buddy Rocky from Ohio has our question of the day.
0: All right. The question of the day is proudly presented by the all-new Finisher Series turkey vest apparel and accessories from Blocker Outdoors. Built specifically for avid turkey hunters, the Finisher turkey series takes the quality apparel Blocker is known for and adds crucial features to help you focus on the hunt and not your gear. Let's see what Rocky has to say.
3: Hi, I'm Rocky Moody from Brookville, Ohio. I have a question for opening day here in Ohio. Uh, I'm going to be set, setting close to the roost and wanted to know, should
0: I use decoys? Public land? Hmm. Thanks.
2: Is he saying Ohio? <laughs> Usually that's a Missouri thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And only politicians ever do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he hunting in the woods or in the field, did he say? He didn't say, but he's hunting public
0: ground. So I, I defer to you guys as experts, but I wouldn't think you would use a decoy.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> what do you got, Ron? I would not. I would not use decoys in that situation for the simple reason, how close are you going to be? If you put decoys out, you stand a chance of getting busted, um, while they're on the roost, they're pretty much going to, they're going to fly down where that first turkey flies down. About, about everybody's going to go the same way. Yeah. If you got to get up and go, you got to wait till you can get to your decoys to pick them up. Plus, You know, decoys on public land just don't seem like a real good idea to me nowadays.
2: Safety wise? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, safety wise. I agree
2: with you, Ron. Yep. (laughs) That's why I had him on. He's the legend. (laughs) That's
3: right. That's right. Come on, Ron. (laughs) He did better than that.
1: (laughs) 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 Nothing more than I wouldn't use the decoys there either. Yeah. Not not, not if you got him roosted and you're going to set up close to the roost. Just get in there and do your thing.
0: Well, okay. So, say let's try to pretend here what the scenario might be. So he's on public land. So he's he says he's got one roosted. He's going to go into the you know you would assume public land. He's probably going to go into the timber. Uh, What you know is there a certain you know you know the tree the turkey's in, but where do you set up? Does it does the land kind
1: of the lay of the land dictate that, or where do you think he would necessarily fly down to? Well. What I do, I'll use New England, I'll use Massachusetts, uh, rock walls, fields, water, ponds down at the bottom. It's steep and comes up. The turkeys went across the road, went across the field with hens, and went in the corner of the field and flew up out of the corner of the field, okay? They're not going to fly down to the pond, They're not going to fly down the steep hole where it's real thick. They're going to fly back where they flew up from. So in that situation, after they went across and went to roost, I went in along the edge of the rock wall in the woodside and slipped up and I videotaped him on the roost goblin and I saw where he flew up from. So I wouldn't put no decoys out there here either. So the next morning when I came in with the camera, I was right over there in the edge of the woods where they flew up into the mm-hmm. tree. Mm-hmm. Videotaped him in the tree, videotaped him waking up, flying down in the field, and my guy killed him. Oh, from roosting, but I didn't use any decoys. Well, I, mean, I, I set up in the direction they fly up from if I can do that. It feels like any time I've ever hunted with
0: Dad and we roost one, and we feel like okay, yesterday he flew down this way and he goes historically he goes down to Booner Bottom and yeah. we know he, and we, we set up for that. It and up he, he flies yeah. the other yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> so so is it is it just kind of the long game? Like yeah, hey, it all depends on the terrain
1: him. where you're at, the area you're hunting, and what the turkeys are doing. It's all different. But roosting has been my number one thing for either television video whatever you want to call it and uh hunting with somebody is is the setup especially uh, all the all the phases we're talking about when they're with hens and all that stuff mm-hmm. the roosting is what makes it happen for us if you
0: don't kill them off the roost are you out of the game for the day no, with that, not that all,
1: bird no no no. <laughs> no not at all you're not out of the game are you, on. No, sir. The game just
3: started. You yeah. just lost the first inning. That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> the match
3: <laughs> continues. But see,
1: roosting, when you say roosting, it means something different to different people. Some guys, roosting to them is standing on the road by their truck, and I'll hoot and hear one, two ridges over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're high-fiving, and they go back to camp. Mm-hmm. That ain't how I roost. I don't want to hear him, two two ridges over. I want to be right there with him. I want to know where he's at and what tree he's in. Mm-hmm. Everybody's yeah. different. Yeah. And I call to them. I'm a bad boy, Ron. I call to them Uh-oh. with a turkey call Gotta when I roost them. them. They work better. They call. They answer turkey calls a lot better than they do owl hooters.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I've uh-huh. never heard. Yeah, Mark have T- never been with them when they've used turkey
2: calls
1: roosting.
0: It's always I, I have done hooter. that for
2: thirty years. I got you. Seems like it's working out. We
1: killed a bunch of them too. <laughs> Especially when you mm-hmm. talk nasty to him, make him sit on that limb all night thinking about that. Oh wow!
2: He's <laughs> getting PG-13 now. <laughs> well, Ray, if we one got one thing to... I would
3: add to that. If, got, if I got a minute. Oh you. yeah, sure. Um, sure. I, I have a a pretty hard set theory that I'm going to try to be at least on his level of the terrain, mm-hmm. if not a him. I don't like to be below him. I like to be even with him or above. And if I have my opportunities on the on the morning, I'm going to be on the east side
0: of him. East side. And what's the theory there? Why why the east side?
3: No, take it back. West side. I'm sorry. West side. Because you think about a turkey and his number one defense is his eyesight, right? Right. When he hits the ground and he's going looking for danger he's not, he's harder to see back into the sun. Yeah. I just, I've noticed that a lot of times they'll fly down away from the sun and, and are a lot easier to convince to come. Away with yeah. the sun to their back they see better i think turkeys
1: have developed uh, a lot since we started hunting them ron turkeys i see this do that they do the same thing but they're wearing sunglasses
3: <laughs> jeez <laughs> we can't afford them in Alabama
2: <laughs> <laughs> they just got ball caps on pull the visors down
0: <laughs> now it, that makes a lot of sense i mean and that's the kind of stuff i think that you know you're you're bringing up a great point but yeah. you know a new hunter might not ever think yeah. of something like that like that you you know I know in deer hunting you do think of those types of things where like if a if a buck's looking up at you you're hoping like the sun's behind you because yep. it kind of helps blind them you know to to where you're at specifically mm-hmm. but I never really thought about it in regards to turkey whose eyesight's even better you know
2: it makes me specifically think about a uh, an oak ridge uh, on one of the properties I hunt where turkeys historically will roost in. and and I've, I always wondered. How they relate to it's because it's a cattle ranch. How they relate to barbed wire fences? If it's a big deal for them, no. or they just slip right underneath. No, right no, no Watch no. them
1: just go right under it. It won't bother them. <clears throat> Have you ever seen a gobbler stretch the wire so the hands can go through? That's a, <laughs> Oh chivalry. You not ain't there.
3: been
2: out. You ain't been out there much. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Wrestling style. <laughs> <laughs> go on, get through. <laughs> well um let's it hop happen it depends in. on that turkey, <laughs>
3: depends depends on on that turkey. yeah because i've seen them i've seen them walk up to a stick across the road they wouldn't cross it and and other times they just go right through the barbed wire fence Yeah. they they look for for, the re, for a reason to drag up because they want that hen to come to hand
2: mm-hmm. yeah hmm. very good all right well it's It feels like it's about story time. Is it already? With Uncle Ray. Story time with Uncle Ray. What do you got for us today? I'll
1: tell you what I got. We were doing this program thinking about this and talking about hens and gobblers and stuff i've got a story time and ron's probably familiar with it because i know i told it in his neck of the woods many many years ago the only problem with this story is so many people stole it and was telling it i was at the national turkey federation years ago and at one of the big banquets and man it was full of people i was sitting with the hunter specialty folks and a guy come up with a funny hat on and talking like a hillbilly got up there and told my story at the banquet that i was sitting in but uh, I, I told this and, and this story at all my seminars for years were back when I was running all the shows, and I'd go to a couple cities, and I'd, I'd do my show, and I'd get to that part, and I'd tell that story in a silence. A guy come up and say, well, guy was just here the other day. He told that story. So I haven't told him much, but I'm going to tell it now. I, I'm, I'm dying out S- of your horse's I, mouth. I, out of the horse's mouth. We're going to go back to the Ozarks. Okay. okay. We're going to go back down there in the hills where my Uncle Lee and Old Joe, and they went to the Pine Valley Station and put a dollar on jackpot for the biggest turkey, And over at Sutton's farm, there was a gobbler out in the field in his big cow. He was one of them farms in the Ozarks where they dozed the timber off to do pasture. Mm -hmm. And so he had these fields because usually everybody just hunted ridges. And this old turkey was out, a big old turkey out in the field of hens, and nobody could kill him. My uncle wanted to kill that turkey. And they had one guy that Sutton had to go get because he caught him getting in his pond with a snorkel. With his gun in a bag, in a plastic bag, he was oh, going to hide in the pond and geez. shoot the turkey out of the water when that's, he, he came by. I no mean, that occasion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Uncle Lee says, he told old Joe, he says, "I, I we can kill this turkey. I know not we kill this turkey. And we're going to win the jackpot. He said, we're going to go out there in the morning. And Sutton said we could hunt it. Nobody else will be on there. We're going to kill this turkey. He said, well, he said, well, that turkey won't come to you out of that field. He said, I got a plan. So he got out there, and the next morning he got ready to go, and he got out. And Uncle Lee says, look here. He said, what in the hell is that? He said, that's a cow suit. It's a cow suit. I'm going to get in the front, and you're going to get in the back. We're going to put this over. So we're going to walk right out there and shoot that turkey. So daylight, sure enough, they getting <laughs> on the ridge, Boom! right out the field. Here come the hens. They're back and forth. He says, call at him. Calls at him. Call. Oh, Gobbles nothing. You ready? So they start walking out there. Mm-hmm. Start walking all of a sudden Uncle Lee stops and Joe runs in the back of him. said, so, what's the matter? He said, there's a bull standing over here. Oh boy. He said, a bull? <laughs> he said, what's he doing? He said, he's well, kind of pawing the ground and coming this way. Joe <laughs> said, what are we going to do? He says, I don't know about you, I'm go- but I'm going to eat some grass. You better brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Only in the Ozarks. True story. <laughs> True story. Where'd
1: they get the cow suit? They make he that made thing? it. Made a cow suit out of cowhide with a cow head and everything. Jeez! <laughs> oh, but it looked real good too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How'd you like to song. seen that from a distance? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What in
0: the world is that? Meanwhile, the 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 long beards over there watching the whole thing. <laughs> Right. Well, I didn't uh, tell the whole story to Turkey.
1: Nice. They got, kept getting closer. How close are we? You know, and they're getting closer, I can't tell the whole story here, but they got really close getting ready to slide the gun up to shoot him when the, when the bull showed up. Uh-oh. But anyway. Yes.
0: There you go. Bulls have
2: needs to. Talk
1: about hands in the field. There yep. we go.
0: Your stories Jeez. never
1: disappoint.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a real wild clip this week that will not disappoint either
0: okay i'm always surprised on which which one we're showing so the real wild clip it's presented by DeerCast. cast what is it the mark and terry clip this week be. i'm getting some heads are shaking yes okay so this is a cool this is a cool stuff. this is many years ago mark and terry are out in kansas and and mark was filming terry shoots a bird and uh through time dad has had some problems whether it's deer or turkey <laughs> he just has some problems from time to time well this turkey, when they went up to do the hero shot for the video, uh, something pretty interesting happened. Roll that footage, Alan. So Terry's—he's—he thinks, man, I did something. They put the shot on him. Turkey goes down. He's carrying him back. He's talking to Mark, and look at the turkey's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mark. Mark looks over. He's like, "Hey, he's looking at you." Pointing at him. <laughs> and t- Terry's like, Oh, and he starts hitting his head. Turkey gets up and he takes off running. And <laughs> he, he nose dives right into this this creek.
2: <laughs> Whoops! And it's a steep bank. It's what, it's probably
0: what, ten. What foot they didn't down. show is Terry did had a sh- he had to shoot him one more time there. Oh. And and uh, so. He goes in. He has to get this turkey out of the creek. Well, he steps on the embankment, and his boot goes down in the water. Whoops. He got a he got a waterlogged boot. But it, looks like, <laughs> it looks like
2: kind of a cold morning because you can see that turkey's breath. Yeah, as yeah. Exhale. I,
0: I don't. <laughs> it's just like that's one of the the best the best ones we've got on video from 30 something years of doing this is, is Mark says, "Hey, he's looking at you." <laughs> and Terry's like, "Oh, and he slaps his head no, and the turkey takes off."
2: <laughs> well, and, and and you know like when the camera's on, it's you're trying to focus on talking yeah. to the camera and you, you it's hard to pay attention to other things. Well,
0: Think about that. He picked the turkey up and he walked 30 yards with it to bring him back to the camera, so he must have stunned it or something. Seems I don't know. Seems
2: <laughs> yeah, Not dead, dead enough. Yeah, you
0: would think he would have got spurred when he picked it up. that yeah. <laughs> <A bit laughs> funny if the turkey got up and slapped him back. <laughs>
2: I'm not so, dead yet.
0: Yeah. That's, wow. We love that wild turkey, man. You had, see all kinds of
2: things. Yeah. <laughs> so, even, the, even the pros have uh, bad days in the field. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they've had more than a few. No joke. Well, Ron, we'll make sure to uh link up turkeys for tomorrow in the show notes so if folks want to learn more they want to get involved they can certainly jump in there and uh and join the cause
0: ron any parting notes for us or yeah anything you want to you know leave us with as as
3: we depart no i do what for us that we all join the spring and be safe out there um Watch your surroundings, wear red, white, or blue. <laughs> the, old, the old story. right? Yep. It still applies. Yep, so still be does. Be safe and
0: ethical and green. Very good. That sounds good. Well, we really do appreciate your time and, and the Field efforts up. that you're putting out there for, uh, for all of us, honestly, yep. and, and leading the charge. So thank you. And any way that we can help, we will continue to help uh, do what we can and spread that message.
3: Thank yeah. you, guys. Appreciate everything. We'll Hang on there a
1: minute, Ron. I want to talk to you before we go.
0: Okay. Well, we'll we'll end the show, and then we can chat real quick. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll do it then. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for watching. Be careful. Identify those targets. Peace out.
2: DeerCast
0: is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features, like live Doppler radar, wind checkout to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.